This episode is brought to you by Ninja RMM, the easiest RMM you will ever use. Ninja offers easy-to-use remote monitoring and management tailored to your needs as an MSP or IT professional with a full range of features, all within a single pane of glass. Ninja is trusted by over 2,000 partners across the globe and was built to scale up as fast as your business requires. Visit ninjarmm.com forward slash tub talk to sign up to a free trial and become an IT ninja today. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and Lee Wood of Node IT Solutions. My name's Jeff Nicholson, and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. In this episode, Richard talks with Lee Wood, director of Node IT Solutions in Biggleswade. They help small business owners in getting the very best from their IT investment. You'll hear why Lee uses Microsoft products and encourages his customers to use them too, why he thinks MSP should attend Microsoft's Inspire conference, and the industry's changes he's seen in the last decade. This episode was recorded between Richard at home in Newcastle-Pontine and Lee in his office in Biggleswade. And now, without further ado, here's Richard Tubb talking with Lee. Hey folks, Richard Tubb here with another interview and today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Lee Wood. Now Lee is the owner of Bedfordshire-based MSP Node IT Solutions. Node were founded in 2008 and they specialize in improving the productivity of businesses with 100 to 1,000 employees, specifically by using Microsoft 365. We're going to talk about that in depth. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hi Richard, nice to be here. No, my honor to have you on. Thanks for taking time. Now, let, we're going to talk about Microsoft 365. We're going to talk about a whole raft of things. But I want to start things off by asking you about Node IT specifically, because your business turned 10 this year, 2018. What would you say is the biggest change you've seen in the MSP industry during that last 10 years? Well, firstly, we, we start to be called MSPs. Uh, when, we start, <laughs> when we started, I think it was about three years in, when um, we discovered at that point uh, tools like, um, oh, what do you call it? it's now SolarWinds, Logic Now, GFI back then. They'd just been bought out from Dog actually. And when uh, we discovered that tool and started to work with it, and, which was a revelation, so, you know, we were using really... I was trying to remember the name of this tool, Mikogo. That was our remote access tool. It was like free. And uh, we were using that back in the day. And then we found this tool. It was amazing. All, the world opened up to us. And then we got called an MSP. And we are like, what's that? <laughs> we're an IT sport company, aren't we? And uh, from, from there on, we, we kind of like a wider world opened up. We started to meet more people. We started to... Um, develop our own way of working and tools and things. So I'd say the world of support has changed massively. I think the tools we've got available to us in the UK, I think a lot of the stuff was in the US earlier than it was in the UK. It's fabulous. You know, the things we can do remotely, the things we can automate, that is the way it's changed massively. But also the message of what an MSP is and who we are. Um, And we're no longer about fixing kit in fact the last thing we really want to do is fix kit what we want to do is bring value to a business and help a business develop and help a business use it and it's that fact we call it the foundation one of the foundations of a a company is good computers good it 
processes and methods and empowering people to use the tools. Uh, so I think our role has changed from fixing someone's computer, it doesn't work, my outlook doesn't work, to that will work, that's okay. How are you going to use your tools? How are you going to be able to communicate? How are you going to collaborate? What difference can we make to your business? And then having real business conversations with um, business owners rather than um, technical conversations, which they really don't care about. Yeah. So MSP, you've mentioned the magic word there. <laughs> How do you define an MSP? Because there's lots of debate in the industry about what exactly a managed service provider an MSP is. How, why a node an MSP? So, yeah, so an MSP to me is a partner, a partner who looks after the IT and all the foundation services I said earlier. But we are a real partner in the business because we have to know what the business is doing. We need to know what their goals and their vision is. And we have to make sure that the systems they have will help them deliver the vision and the values and the goals of that organization. So we do that through the basic stuff like fixing problems, but also putting in systems that work, delivering new solutions to them, which will help them and making sure that the business has got what it needs to deliver to its customers, to deliver to each other. So the, the MSP role of fixing stuff is still there. The MSP role of monitoring everything is still there. But I think especially with, cloud services taking away a lot of the grunt work that we once had you know um i don't put that many servers into customers anymore you know if you come to me as a new organization or a business i won't be putting a server that's my last choice so you know that grunt work's going and actually that's freeing us up to have a more um deep and uh, more valuable conversation. So a managed service provider, yes, we're managing these services, but we're also helping the business. Yeah, that makes total sense. So you've already touched upon some of the tools that you've previously used and maybe still do. What are the tools that Node use or that you use within the business now? What? And a second question, follow-on question, what's the tool that you couldn't live without now that you've got it within the business? Oh, wow. Um, so... That's a really broad answer. I've got a list I could go through. I mean, there are core products. The core products, ConnectWise, that's our PSA. Uh, everything lives and breathes through that. We do all our billing. We do all our service desk. We do all our projects. Um, we do all our sales. All that lives and breathes through ConnectWise. And that is the heart of the business for our data and information and where everybody lives. And then we've got a set of satellite tools that live around uh, ConnectWise. So we've got... Um, ITDLU, amazing product, amazing product, great documentation product, and we've got, got that, and we've been with them since they launched in the UK. Um, we've got um, Continuum, so that's a really interesting product. We, we moved away from uh, SolarWinds to Continuum, so we would have the advantage of the knock, because um, we do have servers out there, and that's really helped with the 24-7 maintenance and management of servers. And also we're using starting to look at using help desk so that we can start to take away some of the reactionary tickets out of our business. And so the team are then freed up to do delivery, go and get, get projects done and, and do some of the meaty work and the, th the high value work. Um, and yeah, continues a great service for that. Um, uh, Orvik, what at all. What a great tool. They, I mean, we were using PRTG for many years, and I, I, I love PRTG. But Orbit came around, and I can't recommend them highly enough. Um, 
and they're a great team as well. Um, when I was in Inspire, um, I played a bit of blackjack with the team. And they did better than I did, which there you go. Uh, but the tool uh, within the MSP world, I mean, the fact that we can really drill into the network, we can really drill into seeing what systems are in place. I mean, we've got a customer that we've looked after for 10 years and uh, we refreshed their entire network when we first moved in, fully Cisco. And it's run absolutely rock solid. It's a lovely network. And uh, we took out all the old kit. We put Orvik on and it went around, used SNMP, gave us an amazing map of the network. And also this little three-con switch appeared on, on the network. We were like, what's that? <laughs> Where's that come from? So you literally I, weren't aware of the three-con switch before? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was because I, I physically took it off the network eight years ago. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'd taken it off the network, and it was in their store cupboard as far as I was aware. I'd actually been scrapped. And no, actually turned out one of the people on site, he wanted to connect a computer up. And so, oh, I'll, do, I'll pull this out of the stores. And he stuck it in, and we didn't know it was there. And so you wouldn't have that visibility without something like Orvik, which really maps the network and then brings in the alerts. But I think another, I'm going off on an Orvik trip here, but I think one of the great things that Orvik has done for us is it backs up the configs of every device, so if you, someone makes a change, you can easily roll it back. Um, or say a customer site is offline, you've got all the information about the customer site to reference to. Um, and, yeah, that's really opened the world because I think you'll find a lot of IT guys are either really good at networking or really don't like networking. Uh, and, um, you know, I was really in the other camp. I was in the camp of don't really like networking, but I have to do it. And it's really opened up a whole skill set within our business that has made it more powerful for us to support our customers. Yeah. Um, but the team I couldn't live, the, sorry, the, the tool I couldn't live without uh, is Microsoft Teams. And oh. that's relatively new to us in the business. We, we looked at it when it first came out a year, year or so ago, and it was like, oh, that's okay. We, we weren't sure how it would fit. And then we started a, a business development project at the beginning of this year, and we needed a place where we could have our email information, we could have our plans in there, we could have Excel spreadsheets, we could have things that show goals and KPIs, all these different disparate parts of data. And now, well, well, let's try using Teams. And it's been fantastic. We've got, it's a great window pane on the business or on a, on a particular project. And you can bring all different tools that are in the Office 365 suite into this one place. And I think it really is the killer application that Microsoft have created. And we use it now for our day-to-day uh, -day comms with each other, for chat, for instant messaging, if you need to ask a quick question. We use it for uh, video conferencing. Uh, we've used it for meetings. And then we also, when we're in a meeting, we can we take our notes in there. We've got OneNote things. It's a, it's a fantastic tool. Really, really. I think it was the one thing Office 365 was missing, was that thing to bind it all together. And now we've got Teams. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think that right now is the tool that's making a big difference to my business. Yeah. Uh, we use Slack internally um, here yeah. at Team Turb, um, you know, sort of similar sort of uh, premise. Let's talk a little bit more about this Office 365, perhaps versus Google Apps and the other things on the market. So I'm, uh, I, I've drunk the Google Kool-Aid. I moved yeah. from, uh, from uh, uh, Microsoft products when I was an MSP way back in the day, um, yeah. moved wholeheartedly across to Google. And the reason I did that is... Um, for the integration with third-party apps, it integrates with Slack that we use heavily now, integrates mm -hmm. with Nimble CRM and so on and so forth. It sounds as though 
Um, since those days, um, Microsoft have really made uh, got good traction here and built to, um, tools like Teams and things that sort of surround the uh, the Office 365 infrastructure. So, talk to me a little bit more about uh, Microsoft 365. Why did you choose that as your tool of choice? If I can call it at all, it's more like an infrastructure, really. Um, and I know you've partnered really deeply with Microsoft to deliver those 365 solutions. Uh, what, did that, what did that whole story look like for you? Well, it, this was probably the first partnership. Now, I'll, I'll go back a bit further, okay? I'm going right back to the start of my career in, in uh, 95, 96. And uh, I, I was a network guy. I started with Network 3 2, Network 4 1, Network 5, Network 6. Remember, uh, yeah. I've got a, I've got a Novell Netware CNE six qualified. I was uh, I was only a CNA myself, so uh, well, yeah. no, I, I doffed off my cap to you. So. Oh yeah, yeah, you, you should do. You do realise that a CNA has to salute a CNE every time he sees them. That is the rule, you know. The listeners uh, can't see this, but I am saluting you as well. <laughs> so, so Novell, I was Novell through and through, and uh, when I started Node IT in my previous job, I literally so this was ten years ago now. So I'd still just pretty much finished delivering a, a Novell 6, 5 infrastructure. So still right up to 10, 11 years ago, so we're still doing a lot of network. So when I started Node IT, I was a Mr. Netware, and I didn't really know Microsoft. I knew nothing about Active Directory, and I knew nothing about that side of things. I had had to look after Windows Server for many years, but really I was the network guy. And uh, starting Node, I realized actually, oh, crikey, everyone else runs, runs Microsoft. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to learn about it. And uh, I remember our first job was running an uh, exchange cluster. Uh, we put an exchange cluster in for a customer, and uh, it was a two-server cluster. And uh, I had to design it and build it. And I learned how to install Exchange on that job and, uh, and, and develop it. And it was a bit of a baptism of fire. Cut for 10 years, and now Mr. Microsoft. Now, as a network guy, you would never, ever think that would happen. <laughs> Mr. Microsoft. If you go back, go back five, six years ago, we were running a little SBS box in the office. It's all we had. And that was running our email. And we, I was never a fan of SBS. I think it was the devil's own product. I know lots of people loved it, made a lot of money out of it, but a devil's own product, as far as I'm concerned, and it gives you headaches. Even when they come up today, I go, oh, really? That's a migration project. Um, so... We ran this SBS box, and Office 365 was in beta. And we'd looked at BPOS, which is a predecessor, and Office 365 was in beta. We're a Microsoft Action Pack partner. And I looked at it, and I said to my business partner at the time, this looks really good. It means we don't have to run an email server here. We can switch the server off. Let's go to it. And we literally moved over to it that day. And haven't looked back since. We loved the product. Now, Office 365, back when it first came out, probably when you moved to Google, was nothing to what the product is today. Really nothing compared. But we had great email. We had Link, which allowed us to instant message, which we loved and became a, a stalwart of the business and even when it became Skype for business and now Teams. And uh, we had OneDrive, or SkyDrive as it was at the time, mm. uh, OneDrive and then uh, um, SharePoint, which we didn't really get, but we've learned over the years how to cope and deal with SharePoint and actually SharePoint has really gone to be a much better product so that's where it began really was I wanted to get rid of this server here's a tool it's free because Microsoft have given us the licenses because we're an action pack partner what's not to like and we just got into it and then we realized this is great and we had a load of customers who've S, uh, SMTP POP3 mailboxes and we had all sorts of weird and wonderful mail servers here, there and everywhere and we just basically started migrating them over to it. 
Um, we then, as the years got on, we, we got into some early migration projects. We did some meeting migration projects for colleges and schools. Um, we did one for one of our customers, and that was a 2003 Exchange server to uh, Office 365. And this was before all these wonderful tools like Skykit, BitTitan, Cloud Migrator existed. <laughs> Actually, no, Cloud Migrator did exist. That's the one we used, and uh, it, but it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare getting that over. Um, but that's where the relationship began with Microsoft, and as in with regards to Office 365. And I made the decision then, because Google Apps was out, and it wasn't anything deep or anything at the time. It was just that the decision was, we either do Google or we do Office 365. We can't do both. If we do both, there were only three of us in the team at the time, we'll be all over the shop. One people will know this, well, this will know that, and we won't be able to do a coherent service. So we said... That's it. Office 365 is what Node IT does. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to go to do Google. If you want to do Google, fantastic, brilliant, enjoy yourself, but you're not going to be one of our customers because we can't help you in that. But there's some fantastic Google people out there. Go and, go and speak to them about Google. And off they went if they did that. Most all our customers went Office 365 and all of our customers have come to us wanting Office 365 and we know that. So I've got now a team who know the product really well. We can migrate users. I think we've got some like 50,000 mailboxes under our belt of migrations <laughs> over the years. So we've done some really big migrations. Um, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have 50,000 customers. <laughs> we've done that for other people, but we get brought in to do large-scale migrations for people. Um, and we know that product really well. And with that, we carried on that ethos into other products. So backup, when Datto came into the UK, I was like, this is great. This is what we need as a backup product. We just do Datto. We don't do the products because my team know Datto. I've got Datto qualified engineers. I've got a great relationship with Datto. And if it's an issue, we know we can pull the server up. We don't have a problem. If you're running something else, well, I can't really guarantee I'm going to be able to deliver that service. Firewalls, managed firewall service, 40 gate, nothing else. None of you watch guard or your sonic walls or any of that. We do 40 gate. And that's the only product we do because, again, the team know the product really well. And it's a great product, great secure, and we can provide a, a, dev, a service which is reliable, repeatable, and we know that it works. So that, that's why. And I, I'm not one of these people who feels I've got to slag off the opposition. I don't feel I need to say, oh, Office 365 has got better features than, than Google or Google's, you know, I, I, I won't say that. And it's not because it's not true. It's because I just believe in this product and that's what I can deal with. I actually, I'm sure if you've got Google, you'll have a great, wonderful life and you'll have great features. It's like driving a car. All cars have got four wheels on most of them, four wheels on a steering wheel and some seats and they go forward, backwards, left and right. Google delivers email, allows you to share your files and collaborate. Office 365 delivers email, allows you to share and collaborate. I love that. I love that philosophy and especially the idea of, of being open and honest and saying, hey, look, you know, um, we're an Office 365 shop. Um, Google does the job really well, but that's not at all we, we focus on. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any upside, any upside at all for denigrating the opposition or mm. for being, you know, um, so matter of fact about things and saying, look, we've made the right choice. And if you choose anything other than what we've chose, you're wrong. Case yeah. in point here, I'm using, you know, uh, the, the Google app suite um, or mm. whatever it's called this week. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a, it's a really good fit for me, but my needs are different. 
um, yeah. to say some of your customers out there. The, the other thing I really like about what you said there is, you know, uh, picking a vendor and going deep on it. Uh, I see so many um, MSPs who who choose uh, just to support everything and anything, mm. and that's admirable. You know, they're trying to do it to to help the clients, but actually, um, I think they're doing the clients a, dis, a disservice. Um, mm. From from a certain angle, because they're not um, going deep with uh, that that vendor support, uh, and that, that I want to touch on a little bit more. So you've already you've already mentioned this um, earlier on in our conversation, but you visited Microsoft Inspire, which mm. for some of uh, the older uh, members of the MSP community, like myself, uh, used to be known as WPC, the Worldwide Partner Conference. Um, Inspire this year was in Las Vegas. Why did you make that trip, and what did you get out of it? Well, we, um, we work with a, another partner company called Identity Experts who are based in Huddersfield. And uh, uh, Matt Brunton, one of the directors of that company, um, I've known him for many years. He was in a different company and I uh, did migrations for that other company in the past. And we, yeah, we've, we've always got on and had a good conversation and, and just, yeah, had a good laugh and, and done some good work together. And he was speaking to me... But yeah, he held an event because they've done a fantastic job of partnering Microsoft and they are real specialists in identity. And they do Azure, Azure Identity um, uh, Protocol, MIM, and they do large-scale identity, identity products. Okay, and what was the name of the company again? Identity Experts. Identity Experts. We'll include that in the show notes for anybody who give a, a bit of a shout-out for them there. So they're the great guys, but they've really worked the Microsoft partnership. They've got a tool set that works for Microsoft and that Microsoft use, and they've really worked, and they've got a great relationship. So in May, he held an event, or the, the team held an event down at Microsoft in Reading. And in that event, I got to meet some of the probably more higher-up people in Microsoft who, who really understood the market I was in and gave me some fantastic advice as to what I should be doing in my business, as to, to make us align more with Microsoft um, and Matt gave me some great advice and Matt said to me you need to go to Inspire and I, I looked at the costs of it and I was like I can't I can't no I can't I'm not, I can't do it not this year I'll go next year but I've said that for the last five years and then um, about two and a half weeks before Inspire Matt got on the call called to me and he said look we've got some work for you um, uh, can you do these migrations for us over the summer? And I was like, yeah, of course I can, no problem. And he said, are you going to Inspire? And I said, no, I'm not going to Inspire. He said, why not? I says, because, you know, cash and this and that and timings and stuff. He said, you need to go. And, and he, he kind of like guilted me into it, to be honest. And so two weeks before Inspire, I booked my ticket. The worst time, because A, there's no flights, so you pay more for your flights, you pay more for your hotel, and you pay more for your ticket. <laughs> so it probably cost me a £1,000 more than it should do. But I went, do you know what, I'm going to go. And I was, the other thing, which was, it was pretty much 10 years to the day that I started the business. I thought, well, I deserve some sort of reward <laughs> for 10 years of running this organization. I am off to Las Vegas. There we go. So I went off on my own. Had to tell the kids daddy's off to America, uh, which didn't go down too well, like a lead balloon, <laughs> without them. And two weeks later, I was on the flight. And uh, the thing that Matt said to me was, you'll get to meet people from Microsoft that you will never get to meet anywhere else. You'll understand Microsoft way of doing things more than you'll ever do. And you just get a lot more exposure and links that will really help you take your business forward. And, and he basically said, you've got to do it. Get yourself to inspire. So I did. 
And Las Vegas, hardly the uh, the worst place in the world for a conference to, to be held. Um, <laughs> what was your experience like at Inspire then, as you're the, the very first um, the WPC to go along to? Well, I'll, I'll split that into two things, okay? So Las Vegas, a place I've always wanted to go. Okay? Mum, my mum's a massive Elvis fan. So, you know, as far as the Elvis, the it, it, Las Vegas, the whole thing, you know, I, I was brought up in American Trilogy. It, it's always wanted to go there. And it's bonkers. It is completely and utterly bonkers. And I came out with the phrase, I think Las Vegas is both the best and worst examples of humanity in one place. <laughs> and it's basically the best because the sheer ingenuity that they have put together to make this place actually exist in a desert is extraordinary. The worst for everything it stands for. Because it's just about greed and game money and all of this. But I had a fantastic time. I was on my own, lone traveller, spent a couple of days, um, went to a few museums, Pinball Museum. Oh, my God. If you go to Las Vegas, check out the Pinball Hall of Fame, about 80 pinball tables and classic arcade games, uh, everything from Dragon's Lair to, um, oh, what's its name? The Spy Hunter. I had no idea this place existed. Oh, yeah. I've spoken at Las Vegas before and um, I'm never even aware of this. Oh, it's awesome. I loved pinball when I was a kid growing (laughs) up. And uh, I had a fantastic... I went in there and um, I had about $20 on me and everything's like 50 cents uh, or 75 cents, but maybe about 50 cents. Two and a half hours later, my hands were killing me, but I was still playing pinball. And a fantastic time. Uh, oh, so, my friend um, uh, uh, Vin Jahal of uh, Wem Solutions, based in London, an MSP. There, he's a massive pinball fan. Oh, uh, really? He's never mentioned this place. So, if, Vin, if you're uh, if you're listening to this, we must organise a trip soon. But, yeah, uh, so, I mean, yeah, Las Vegas. Anyway, incredible place. Forget about Microsoft. It's all about the Pinball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Um, but you gave me uh, a fantastic link uh, to Guy um, and. Uh, yeah, Guy Gregory at Microsoft. Guy Gregory, yeah. And it was the first morning I was in there and I literally scattered, um, did a LinkedIn to him. And he said, well, I'm off to the Shelby uh, Museum. Do you want to come along to that? So I went to the Shelby Ford uh, Mustangs and Museum and everything like that. And that was my first introduction to him at Microsoft. And it turned out I'd been stood in front of the guy for, all, for two hours in the passport queue the previous day. <laughs> I so that was a bit of a coincidence. So he was a really lovely bloke and we had a good chat. And he gave guy, guy is a fantastic guy and then worked at a number of MSPs before he joined Microsoft. So really in yeah. touch with our community and understands yeah, what it's really all about. really good. So the, the whole Las Vegas experience, yeah, bonkers place. But then we're getting to Inspire itself. And I went to the, um, the first time attendees uh, session which was on the Sunday afternoon and I think what I hadn't got was the scale of Las Vegas and the scale of conferences at Las Vegas and the amount of walking I mean I was my step counter was about 18,000 steps a day and I was just <laughs> walking around conference rooms and the first time if you do go for a first time go to the uh, orientation meeting it was really useful helped me enormously to understand basically the scale of what I was visiting and how to get the best out of it and it is long days it is very long days. I mean, uh, and this is the thing, people, oh, you're on holiday. So mm-hmm. didn't feel like it. Did not feel like it. I was, the conference started at 8.30 every day, went through to 6 o'clock. And every day on the Sunday, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's that's the time I was in the conference. I was there all day. And getting the most out of it, getting the notes, writing things down, understanding how that 
affects the business and then reporting back to the team immediately as well so they were getting instant feedback from me about things I was learning um, on the Sunday evening I was invited to the enterprise mobility and security event and that was fabulous we were in this amazing um, venue you could look right over Las Vegas it was a bit exclusive place some of the best beef I've ever eaten in my life incredible but in that room was some fantastic people who were really high in Microsoft, really influential people as well. There was a lot of product managers who look after partners. Now, I am not a partner that's looked after by Microsoft directly. So this, this is the thing about where Microsoft Partnership works is if you can bring a service to Microsoft that they can use, which they will help them deliver to maybe some of the large-scale projects, then you will get a product manager, your partner manager, sorry. You'll have a manager assigned to you and you will be looked after that. And now there are very few of them people in the UK, I think it's about 300 in the UK, who get a partner manager. Uh, they did a big cull of them a few years back and the really, it's quite, you don't get partner managers in the UK. But I met partner managers from around the other countries, so a particular guy from South Africa, again, full of advice. You're there having a chat, very casual, very relaxed, and he gave me a lot of advice about how CSP, um, so cloud service, provider uh, relationships that's where we could provide licenses direct to our customers in office 365 and all of microsoft azure suite and in fact even on-premise services are now coming to csp so uh, as an aside here as advice to people listening is if you're a microsoft partner and you're not a csp you're missing out because the margins in licensing and the ability to deliver licensing direct to your customer you own the billing not microsoft so by owning the billing you know the money revenue comes into our business we pay our partners message stream in the UK on a monthly basis by direct debit. But it means we're getting our margin in our pocket. We're not having to wait for rebates or anything like that. And but also they're now starting to provide on-premise licensing for Windows Server and CALS and SQL Server through the CSP model. Uh, and he basically gave me the advice is, look, you know, where you are in the market as an MSP, you're not likely to get a partner manager. However, you can start delivering our services. You just match up. But where you really need to make your relationship is with your CSP partner, with your tier one CSP partner. You need to really work on that because that's where you'll really start to get value. And then start to match up your marketing, your methodology, what you're putting out to the Microsoft message, and you will succeed. And then over the next few days, I discovered that message was really being pushed out there. But also, Microsoft has stepped up a gear in the tools they provide. Under Steve Ballmer, basically, the Microsoft Partner Network was being pretty much disbanded. Under Satya, he really gets it. And you can feel the difference in the organization. I think this was another thing I gained from Inspire was the difference that man has made to that organization. And it's about wanting a sorry not wanting having a vision and value of partnership of basically wanting to help other people in the world and to really use this amazing company they have which is incredibly powerful for good and to help people succeed and that's really come through everybody i met there and the partnership program has changed and i've seen it over the last eight years or so that i've been a partner go from being really good to being ooh really to fantastic which we're at this point now and the tools that was made available to us partners in inspire and is available to all partners out there like marketing tools tools for learning tools for getting my 
my team up to date, tools for Git provide to our customers was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, just the ability, one of the things that all IT people struggle with is marketing. IT company understands marketing. And they've given us some amazing tools for marketing so we can get the message across to people. Um, but everyone I met was like, okay, here's where you go to find the information. And it was really useful stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy, he just said, you know, go speak to your CSP. And I've reached out to my CSP tier one now and uh, arranging a meeting so we can look at how we can work more closely together with them to basically improve our services to our customers. So big expense, big commitment to go to uh, Inspire, but it sounds as though you've more than reaped the rewards already. Yeah, one of the things that Node IT has always done is, we've always been on the curve. Um, I think what we've never done uh, is, is fully realized that we were on the curve or ahead of that curve oh, and and now i kind of get a realize we are and uh, particularly when it comes to um moving people to full cloud platform and that's the thing it's cloud first it is modern desktop these are some of the phrases that are coming out with but really stick with the microsoft 365 suite which brings together office 365 it brings the enterprise mobility suite and security suite so which is all about um advanced security protection mobility so things like intune for mobile device management and windows 10 enterprise it brings it together into one suite the microsoft 365 suite is just fantastic and they've really pushed that and that is the big difference because with that suite i can go to a customer and say um we're going to move fully cloud and we're already doing it we were doing our first one before we went out to inspire we were learning it and I've realized that, yes, we've, we've got it. And I know there are many MSPs in the country because they ring me up asking, how are we doing this? <laughs> so oh, they want to know how to do this. They want to know how they can take someone fully cloud. And I've got a team who know how to do it because we've embedded, and that goes back to the earlier message, we've learned the product, we've learned the system, we've learned how it works. So I've got one of my engineers. He will take a customer from an on-site Active Directory and he knows how to migrate that all up into the into Azure Active Directory. We migrate all the computers over, get the data up into SharePoint, give them the tools. And as long as they haven't got any key line of business application that can't be moved to the cloud, then we can put them fully cloud. And we've done that for several customers. And there are very few products apart from very particular things which won't go into the cloud. Um, where you do come across, actually, I've had to come, I say that recently I found the specific tools in specific industries where somebody has really niched it, um, like a CRM tool or a, uh, a tool for kind of like managed particular business side. I've seen it for higher companies. I've seen it within recruitment. I've seen it within um, well, all sorts of companies. And someone's done that and they've not made a cloud version because they ain't got the resources to do it. Which to me, so there's an opportunity there for someone to come in and just say, okay, I'm going to make a cloud version of what you do. I'll make it better. And then we'll just migrate them off to it. Mm. But other than key line of business applications, most people can go straight to cloud. And I was talking to a customer last week and the only thing they've got is Sage, which is currently running on a hosted desktop service. And we can check that to the cloud. We can either move them off to zero or we can move them to Sage Online if that's uh, appropriate for them. And once we've got that tool, they've got no need for a server on site. Everything's in uh, Azure. Everything's in Office 365. They become truly mobile. And the security suite 
around Office 365, I think is second to none. It really is extraordinary what we can do around securing identity and securing your data. Well, let, let's talk some more about cybersecurity. But before we do, I just want to ask you a simple question. Having attended Inspire, albeit at the last minute, will you be attending Inspire next year? So here's, here's my hint and tip for first-time attendees. <laughs> so at the end of the, end of the thing, they have a return visit for first-time ent- uh, attendees where you can go, to, go there in the morning and, basically, and they do it right, right after the big party on the Wednesday night, but you're down there at 8.30 on a Thursday morning, how was your Inspire? And I basically just stood up at a mic to say something about my Inspire. I didn't even get to talk because some other guy rabbited on so much he likes the sound of his own voice but anyway uh, <laughs> i didn't get to spot but because i stood up i got a 500 dollar off voucher for the next inspire so yes i'll be going to the next inspire because i've got 500 dollars off the cost winning now we're, we're going to share your uh, social media details later on so if anybody wants to reach out to you uh, and i would i would encourage anybody listening to this who's not attended inspire before um, first of all, to go. I certainly did it within my MSP business and it was a huge catalyst. But secondly, to prep for it and to reach out to people like Lee and uh, Guy Gregory, who we've mentioned, um, and there's other UK partners going across there because it makes the world a difference, doesn't it, to, it does. to meet these people and, and to learn how, how you can make the most of your investment. I, th- I think that I, I wish I'd planned more for it. That's my lesson here is because they did it so much at the last minute and I, and I went out. Um, I'm already planning for July next year. Uh, I'm already thinking about how we work it in and, you know, make sure my family holiday doesn't follow direct, directly on like it did this year. And uh, But planning ahead so then you can start to make connections before you go to Inspire and understand who's out there and then go and make set meetings up before you go out there. That, that would be a key tip there. So if you know you're going to go, decide you're going to go now, pay for it, it's done. <laughs> you bought your ticket and then planning how much you're going to get your, your flights and everything like that but who you're going to speak to and what you could do I met a, a, another MSP out there on the first night and they're in the first time attendees a uh, couple of guys from Scotland and for them it was um, on the MSP journey they are that was far down the line but from an IT business they're much further down the line than I am they're an older company but for them they were suddenly that was like their first visit to see anything like this mm. the wider community now i've been in the wider community for a long time but and i was just like well you guys are great guys you're here that puts that sets you aside from everybody else because if you don't go to inspire you don't hear these messages you don't see these things you don't see what microsoft are doing you don't see how technology is changing and it does set you apart it really does and i think it really say something about you as a business the fact you're willing to invest and microsoft appreciate that but also the important thing to do when you come back, and I did this, is have a presentation to your team. Great advice, yeah. Show them what you got from it and show them how it's going to change the business and how you're going to use it within the business mm-hmm. so that you can't keep it to yourself. It's got to be spread across the team. It's fantastic advice. I'm going to share in the show notes a link to a blog post I'm, I wrote. It must be 12 years ago now when I first went to WPC. And it's interesting um, to see that a lot of the advice that you've shared there 
it absolutely remains true. I mean, it was WPC back then. It's Inspire now. But, you know, the preparation, reaching out to people, um, you know, uh, making sure everything's organized in advance, even the way you spend your time at the actual mm. events. It's all great. So we'll share that in the show notes. Now, I definitely want to sorry, talk about... Sorry, go ahead, please. Yeah, just one thing extra on that, actually. If you didn't go to Inspire, that doesn't mean you can't watch the sessions. Mm. If you go to the Inspire website, you can log on and all the call notes for speeches are there, which are fantastic. But also a lot of the individual sessions about Microsoft 365, about sales, marketing, all these different sessions that were run throughout the entire team, entire, entire uh, three days, you can go and watch them. So the sessions I didn't get to go to, and I've been watching the videos. So, you know, watch one a day, you'll pick something up from it. So even if you didn't go to Inspire, you can get something from it yourself. So if you just go to the Inspire website, log on there and you'll be able to start to look at the videos and watch them yourself. Fantastic advice. Now, where is Inspire next year? Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas. And, and is that, uh, so f- forgive me for being a Google person out of the loop with the Microsoft uh, conferences and stuff. Is that going to be a regular thing in Las Vegas now? Because previously they used to move around. I believe so. So what they did this year, which is different, is Microsoft have another conference for the internal team. So this was done at the same time as their year-end or the new financial year, so FY19. Um, I learned all the lingo. Um, and they had Microsoft ready. So that was the internal conference. Yeah. So there was a lot of Microsoft people out there, and they were in ready, and we were in Inspire, and there was a bit of cross-pollination between the two. And so for Microsoft, actually, it was from like Saturday to Saturday, there was a full week in Vegas. There was lots of things going on, lots of different things. So when we finished on Thursday, Microsoft Ready continued on and people were there doing training and everything like that. And the UK partner team were out there. Um, so I think that because it was more like 35,000 people, it's about Las Vegas, one of the few places in the world where you can accommodate that. And I remember chatting to Uber. My life, I learned how to use Uber when I was in Vegas. <laughs> and uh, my, one of my Uber drivers, he said, oh, I said, yes, it's a really big conference. Oh, how many? I said, 35,000. He said, that's small. <laughs> anyway, 115,000, that's big, but that's small. We could easily cut with that. And the scale of these hotels is extraordinary. So, yeah, it's, it's Vegas is where they've kind of set the heart on. So it'll be Vegas next year. Um, bonkers place to be in. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Now, I'll, before we talk about cybersecurity, and I definitely want to get onto this subject because you're, you're, you're an expert in this uh, area, you talked specifically about community. You talked about being exposed to some of these ideas previously and that. Peer collaboration. Um, I, I know that Node yourself are a member of the network group. Um, I've seen you at CompTIA meetings. Yeah. Talk to me about why community is important to you and what do you get from it personally and what do Node get from being a part of the community as a business? When um, about five years ago, um, I took on Node fully myself and um, I didn't know there was a community of IT people. And I, there was so much I didn't know about. I was literally just muscle and feel, as the HTG guys like to call it. But I didn't, I knew nothing, nothing about the wider community. And I just thought every IT company out there was kind of like your uh, competition and your enemy. And I didn't know that people actually talked to themselves. But I was listening to this podcast, and I've been podcast before it became fashionable recently i was listening to podcasts years and years when the first came out so i've been listening to them all the time and i was into this guy called richard tubb 
and he was constantly going on about stuff. And I was like, oh, God, this is, this is interesting, but how does he know that? And he, he'd mentioned things like CompTIA, and, and uh, I was like, okay. So I looked up CompTIA, and I was like, I'm not sure about that. And then I went to GFI and did a conference, and I met uh, John Towers and David from Grant McGregor, and they were like the first two other IT people I'd ever spoken, IT company owners I've ever spoken to. And they opened my eyes and they told me about various things out there about CompTIA and things like that. And of course, um, Gemma from IT Marketing. Gemma Telford. At the time, yeah, Gemma Telford. She was a customer of mine at the time. And in fact, it was at Gemma's where we first met. That's um, right. Yeah, Gemma was uh, previously been on on this podcast. In fact, I think it was episode five or six, going back going back yeah. quite some time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was involved with CompTIA, and I was at GFI, and I was talking to the people. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." People talk to each other, and I've got ideas. So that opened my mind a little bit. Met CompTIA, and uh, joined up, and then did nothing with it. And then the following uh, March, I went to my first community meeting in CompTIA. And basically met some fantastic people. I met yourself there. I met lots of different IT company owners and that really began my journey into community. And I know that I, my business wouldn't be what it is today without community and without the wider community in, in the UK. And I think people are often surprised when I tell them you can go and speak to another IT owner and they will tell you their problems, or they'll tell you, they'll help you fix your own issues, or they will share. And that's what CompTIA gave me to start with. And then um, about 18 months ago, I joined Network Group. And I first heard about Network Group through your podcast and uh, an interview with Phil Morgan uh, that you did a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I thought that became kind of like an aspiration to join Network Group because it sounded like a great group and there are particular requirements to join. I thought, will I ever be able to do that? And uh, a couple of years later, I met uh, Mostyn, and then I met Phil, and uh, I got brought into Network Group. Now, what Network Group gives me is a phenomenal peer group of people who are like-minded, want to succeed, uh, want to work together, and will help you when you need it. And I've had some fantastic support from members of the team of, of Network Group over the last year. I spent a an amazing day with Grant McGregor where they basically showed us everything how they operate and how they work together and what's important and how delivering their vision and their values and supporting their team uh, and we picked up so much from that, that that one day and you know for someone to open the doors to their business and let you in it's like you know just leaving your door open your front door open and letting people into your bedroom and everything it's so <laughs> personal you know and especially another company who do what you do and you you, I wouldn't have that if they didn't have the trust of me and I didn't have the trust of them. And that relationship that builds over, over, over the years. And when I've had some tough times in the business, I know that I can pick up the phone and say, look, I've got this going on. Can you help me? Or what would you advise? And I've had that advice and I've had that support. And, you know, you cannot put value on that. And But it's also opened my eyes to the other services that are out there. So I've got introduced to Continuum through Network Group. I've got introduced to Olvik. Um, you know, the way that we work, where that we work with team. And there's a big movement now within Network Group in particular, um, being spearheaded by Mark Matthews around vision, value, use of traction uh, to help your business, which is Traction of the Buzz book of the... Yeah, Gina Whitman's book, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I honestly can't put as i say i can't put value on really the support that you get and knowing that 
if you do these things, they will work. Or if you, or if it doesn't work, there's always someone to speak to. Yeah. Now, as somebody who's an MSP business was absolutely built on the back of uh, of collaboration and learning. I, you know, I can't speak highly enough about it, and I'm so glad it's working for you. I'm so glad it's working for for Node. Fantastic. Okay, let's talk cybersecurity then. So you've done significant pieces of work this year with GDPR. You've got Cyber Essentials on the go. Um, I know that. I, I know that you were an invited guest to the National Cybersecurity Centre this year as well, for instance. Question, how do you see the state of cybersecurity for small businesses right now? I think we're an exciting point, really, now with cybersecurity. It's, it's, I started selling a managed firewall service about six years ago, five, six years ago, based around 40 gates, and no one would bite, okay? It was like the hardest thing in the world to sell. But now it's kind of like they go, yeah, we get, we need that, fantastic, tick. Because the awareness is out there. I think GDPR has done us a massive favour. I think people really didn't understand that there's this uh, collective responsibility for cybersecurity, at all sorts of levels. It's not the IT guys that are responsible for it alone. It is the business owner. It is the people in who are doing the finance. It's the people on the ground. It's the person with an individual laptop. And that there isn't just technical defences now that will help you. It's not like back in the day when we used to run around with a floppy disk and clean your <laughs> computer and then say, right, your virus has gone. Fine, great. Woo. Uh, it's not like that anymore. This, it, it's... There's so many layers to cybersecurity. And yes, we can put the technology in place, but if we don't then teach the people to look after their accounts, look after their passwords and be, you know, and give them the training, then realistically someone's going to get in. And just last week we had a customer who had a compromise of a username password combination and it started sending out uh, malicious content. And But the difference was then we knew it was going out. We found out very quickly and we were able to take action. But not only that, with the logs and the systems you got in place, we were able to find out where it was coming from so we could see someone's logging in from Lagos. And so we were able to take precautions and actually we'd looked at that account and we talked to the customer and said, well, does somebody need to log on to that particular account remotely? And they said, well, no, actually, they don't thinking about it. Okay, let's disable remote access. Or put in what's called conditional access in, in Azure so that um, that account can only log in from within your premises. So we reduced the threat straight away around that account for them. And we're able to then give them the right advice of, right, send this email out to your customers of saying, please don't click on the link, it's malicious, and we've taken this action. And we're also having a relationship with a company who understands GDPR, we're able to call them and say, look, is there any GDPR implications on this? They actually said no on that particular one. Um, but make sure you document what you've done. So that's just one example of something that affected last week. But security is so, I think security by design is really important. You've got to design every system with security in mind. And if you, if you do that from the beginning, yes, there's a cost to it, but the cost is far greater if you're compromised and you don't take action and you don't mitigate the risks. No one's ever going to be 100% secure. People make out they're going to be 100% secure, but they're not going to be 100% secure. There's always a way around at some point. So as long as you're prepared for that and you've got processes in place to kick into gear like we had last week, then you mitigate that risk. What's your biggest frustration with um, the attitude towards security from small businesses right now? Um, 
it's not what it was. So the frustration was, we don't need to do that. Or there is still an attitude of, well, you do that for us, don't you? And it's, well, we, we don't. <laughs> we do, but we don't do it all. You've got to take responsibility. I think now, 2018, we're in a better place than we were in 2017. People are aware of their responsibilities. There's been some very big cases. We, I think WannaCry was a nice watershed moment for the, for the country to actually see that we are vulnerable mm. and something can really affect uh, nationwide. You know, um, Having your appointments cancelled in the NHS simply because the IT systems aren't working, you know, that, that really brought it home to people. But I think realistically we've got to spread the message through stories that are relevant to small businesses. So... You know, it can be a small business can go down just with as little as nine thousand, ten thousand pounds. You know, these millions of pounds fines and everything is one thing, but you know, I know a, a company who struggled after losing ten grand through mandate fraud, and that had a big impact on them. So to be able to say to people, you don't, this is what you need to do to prevent that happening to you again in the future, or to prevent it happening to you. Um, they're more aware of it, and everybody knows about somebody else who's been affected. And I think the message is a lot easier to get across. I think they do sometimes think, really, it's going to cost that much? I say, well, good products do. And I don't go, I'm, one of my things is I don't use your SMB type products and, and pricing products. You know, I put in a Datto and that costs more than other products will do. I like other products, but my life, I, was, I had a customer who got um, cryptoed and we were able to bring them back within well we did we we could have brought them back within 10 minutes we waited four hours to make sure that we cleaned everything up first uh and again that came through somebody in the organization doing the wrong thing mm. it's unless, a human, human element every yeah. time isn't it? yeah it is we can secure just about everything we can but there's always somebody who goes they've got admin rights or they have to have this and that that's always a great argument then you can say well no you don't because look what happened last time you know, so I think the human element is the only bit which is the hardest to secure against, and that is training and basically people spending time to understand what the impact would be on that organisation. And these thieves, they, they go for it. They don't hold back. We're also a member of um, uh, Bed Cyber Trust, so that works with Bedfordshire Police, and that's been an eye-opener because with that we get to find out about local crimes, local cyber crimes. We meet on a regular basis. It's other IT companies and interested parties and the police, obviously the best police themselves. And we get to find out about what is happening in our local area and the, the, the crimes that are, are going on. And, you know, cyber-enabled crime as well as cyber crime, which are different things. Cyber-enabled crime is where you're using technology to commit a crime. And the great thing about that is then we can pass a message out to people to say, be aware these gangs are happening, are actually targeting our area at the moment. And they do. They actually target specific areas. And uh, that's been a fantastic um, partnership to have in, uh, for Node IT. Mm, it massively overlooked, I would say. You know, we used to partner with West Midlands Police when I uh, ran my own uh, MSP. And I think most IT companies would benefit from reaching out to their local police force and saying, hey, first of all, how can we be of help? How can we help educate people? But also, um, lots of authorities have got these sort of schemes where you can keep your ear to the ground, you can understand what's happening, and let yes. your customers know that. That's value add for your clients, yeah. isn't it? 
I think one of the other things that we're looking, you mentioned the NCSE, so um, they did a review of Cyber Essentials. Um, and I, again, Cyber Essentials, every IT company should be Cyber Essentials minimum and work towards Cyber Essentials Plus if they're not already. So I think every IT business should be Cyber Essentials, if not Cyber Essentials Plus, where we currently has me gold. And so that's the, the um, certificate body we work with. And we found bringing customers up to the Cyber Essential standard uh, it's really worked well for us. And, you know, we've helped a lot of customers do that. Um, but I went to the NCSE because they're reviewing the standard. And that was amazing. So the National Cyber Security Centre is an incredible resource for us. The, the, the um, publications they create every week, their weekly threat report, um, they've also got a service called SIF but that you can um, apply to join, which is a private forum about security and threats. But we are very fortunate in this country to have the NCSE available to us. And also we can use, because it's Crown Copyright, as long as you refer back to it, we can use their materials to send to customers and, and say, look, here's how good password policy. Here's an SMB guide for good cybersecurity. You know, here's a... There's a uh, small charities guide. There's all this information available, uh, incredible results. And, you know, the UK is very fortunate to have them. And uh, when I was down there, I met everybody from companies who were like single one person in the company up to the head of security for BAE Systems. And the challenges they have are, are varied and wide. And BAE Systems, that was an incredible eye-opening conversation. And they said they've got something like 50,000 companies in their supply chain, all of which have got to be secure in some way or fashion. So what challenges we have. So we're, and again, it's that collective responsibility. We are all responsible to each other to protect each other from cybercrime. Fantastic. Now, I'm aware we're running towards the end of our time here. You've actually got a business to get on and run. I, I can't leave without reflecting things back on Node IT. You're in your 10th year of business. What's next on the horizon for Node IT and yourself? What's the, what's the biggest challenge that you're looking to overcome in the next 12 months? Um, I think we need to capitalize on the um, security opportunity, but also the opportunity to move people fully cloud. Um, I think... The Microsoft 365 suite is a, a real opportunity for us to, to work on because we're, we're good at it, we know how it works, and we know the value it can bring to customers. But also following on from that, making sure that we keep our customers informed and trained of how to use the products. Because one of the things that you, you as a techie, you can be complacent in doing is, I've installed that, move on. I've installed that, move on. And you don't, and, and we went back to customers uh, about two years ago and said, you've got Office 365. We did a, a, a day set, a lunch and learn around Office 365. And I started to do my presentation and I just did one little tip. And so I said, oh, how do you do that? And how do you do that? I abandoned the presentation and it turned into an hour session of getting the best out of your, you know, just giving someone a simple tip around Outlook is gold to them, you know, how to make, quickly make a, a calendar invite, um, how to use quick tips. So I think the real thing that's going to come in the next year is running those training sessions, bringing that value, and then having those um, conversations with people on, who are using these tools every day. But also I think the other challenge that we need to address is the virtual CIO type role. So having board level relationships and partnerships and finding out what they're trying to do in the next three years. 
you know, what's their five-year plan? You've got some companies who've got 10, 50, 20-year plans, you know, hundreds of years plans, you know, I've come across them, you know. And and if you know what they're trying to achieve, you can put IT that works. Now, IT changes all the time. But, you know, if they start using a tool and it works for them and it starts to really drive revenue or drive productivity, you know, we need to know that that's what they want to do. So I think those conversations... I think the personal challenge in the business is marketing, marketing, marketing. That is, um, I think, always been my Achilles heel uh, in the business and actually driving people towards us through getting the message out there. And uh, we've recently, Maggie, um, my wife, joined the business last year and she's recently started on using LinkedIn and really starting to get content out there. We are automating that content going out and then really driving a message forward so using marketing as a way to not necessarily just drive sales but drive information out there drive awareness make the community aware or so the business community in the area aware of the things that are out there i recently read go giver and uh, and i think there's a really good message in that book of giving out and it will come back but you give out because you want to give freely you want to do that and I've always been that sort of, I was a, I was a, I was a scout, <laughs> you know, yeah, I always help other people and you know, that is what we do. And so, and that's what the business does. It helps. And so just getting the message out, having them conversations. I think that's, that that's the challenge of the next year really is to make sure people are aware of who we are and what we can do for them. And there's a difference between working with Node IT and a difference between working with a support company. And really coming to work with us, you're getting you're not getting a support company, you are getting a, a partner, a true partner in your business. I love it. I love it. And I've got absolutely no doubt you're going to not only personally um, uh, deal with those challenges and overcome them as well, but grow the business. I've watched with interest over the past few years uh, since uh, since you and I have become friends, watched you grow the business in leaps and bounds. And uh, so, so glad to see uh, where you're taking it. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I know that I just know that the listeners are going to have loads of questions <laughs> specifically for you. So if anybody wants to continue the conversation with you, how do they find you online? Um, well, they can email me. That's absolutely fine. Um, uh, my spelling of my name is L-E-I-G-H, not L-E-E. Uh, my mum will say to, the, to a dying breath, that is the male way of spelling it, Lee. So, and I agree with it because I've got the, the baby names book, which says it from when I was born. So, so, <laughs> so lee.wood at node-it.com. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, just communicate direct through there. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, for anybody uh, listening today who wants to follow up with any of the things that we talked about, um, we'll include significant amounts of detail and resources <laughs> in the show notes. I know Lee's dropped a lot of uh, value there during our conversation. Uh, that's all for today, folks. Thanks, Lee. And thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we'd really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. Every review helps us reach new listeners and helps raise the bar for success in the IT industry. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Tune in for our next episode when Richard speaks to his latest guest for more valuable insight into the world of business and IT.
This episode is sponsored by Ninja RMM, the easiest RMM you will ever use. Ninja focuses on simplifying your life as an MSP or IT professional. Are you moving from a break-fix model to fully manage your assets? Have you already embraced the world of managed services and are looking to expand your portfolio? Well, Ninja's platform combines monitoring, alerting, antivirus patching, and IT automation, providing your business with a single pane of glass for managing multiple devices across various environments. Visit ninjarmm.com forward slash tubtalk and become an IT ninja today. And mention you are coming from tubtalk, Ninja will have a special offer ready for you. 